Good morning, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and today is a down the rabbit hole uh, episode. Yeah, because I've been lazy. I can't explain why I don't have the inspiration to record. It, there's nothing wrong. It's just, I think, I've been busy, maybe, with other things, you know? I don't know, you know how, like, some things just inspire you a little bit more than the thing that you're doing, so you start doing that, and you you get distracted from the other thing? Yeah, I think that's what it was. But anyway, I'm back. Welcome back. We're gonna be talking about the Montauk Project, because I put it on YouTube, but I failed to put it on, um, Anchor, so here we go. And somehow, during my sleep, I ended up losing my voice. I'm not sure how that happened, but if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please contact me on the links down in the description below, which I know I have failed to freaking put on the ends of these things. I'm sorry. It's just I have to go back and forth, back and forth. It's a pain. It really is, but... Um, I'm gonna do my best to not be lazy and, and do what I gotta do for you guys. So, alright, here we go. What is... The Montauk Laboratory is allegedly constructed on the east end of Long Island during the Cold War. Project Montauk. Yes, Project Montauk was a secret military experiment to develop psychological warfare with abducted boys. And I don't exactly know why they just wanted to abduct boys, but... Um, Stranger Things, the Netflix show, is loosely kind of based on the Montauk Project. So, there are kind of certain similarities. Uh, you'll probably, if you have watched this show, you'll probably pick up on some, like, similarities about, you know, the whole thing. You know, the conspiracy and the show, so... This conspiracy includes time travel, teleportation, and mind control, which we will get into later. So the Montauk uh, project allegedly involved the abduction of orphans um, and runaways who were subjected to physical and psychological torture. They were already there were already rumors about the American military and had been conducting experiments on psychological warfare on the eastern end of Long Island as far as the mid-80s. Camp Hero and Montauk Air Force Station um, were still standing after World War II and were said to be the hubs of paranormal research. In the book The Montauk Project, Experiments in Time, Nichols, the author, starts by saying that he wrote the book because he started recalling memories of his time as a researcher for the project 
and describes the interior of the facilities and its procedures, advanced technology, and numerous paranormal events. He believes he has seen firsthand after the book's publication people started uh, coming forward about being involved in the research conducted by the Montauk Project. The book also goes all in with mind control telepathy, opening space-time portals to other dimensions, alien contact, abduction of children, and all under the authority of the U.S. military program financed by the Nazi gold during World War II. Montauk's story intersects with a long-standing and somewhat well-known conspiracy theory called the Philadelphia Experiment. Some believe that U.S. Navy's researchers uh, researched into radar invisibility in 1943 and made the USS Eldridge uh, vanish completely, but actually transported it to Norfolk, Virginia. The military was trying to bypass Nazi radar in 1943 during World War II using electromagnetic fields. The various versions of the story say that the military was so successful with the developing of the technique that it rendered USS Eldridge uh, stationed at a naval shipyard in Philadelphia invisible to radar and to the naked eye. Um, then also transported through a hole in space and time to Norfolk, Virginia, 200 miles away. When the Eldridge reappeared uh, at the Philadelphia shipyard again with, uh, within minutes, it's been said that some crewmen were fused to the bulkheads and turned inside out. Those who weren't uh, were driven insane by the disorientation while the ship was in hyperspace. Nearly all of the details could be debunked by, viola by violations of the law of physics, and chronological inconsistencies, no two stories were ever the same and gave birth to the Montauk Project story. When a movie about the incident came to light in 1988, a man named Al Belak said he experienced an overwhelming amount of deja vu. Using New Age therapies and practices, he said that he was able to unlock countless repressed memories about his existence in and involvement in the Philadelphia Project and also the Montauk Project. Um, he told his story to the to the Mutual UFO Network Conference in 1990 and says that him and his brother served on the ship in their 20s and Nikola Tesla engineered the experiment. That's interesting. <laughs> um... It caused the ship to break out of space and time, and that it opened a wormhole to the future, which dropped the two brothers in the middle of the mountains. I'm sorry, in the middle of the Montauk uh, Camp Hero in August uh, 12, 1983. There was a sub project called Sub Project 8 that was being set up as a means to continue the present work. In general field of LSD until September the 11th of September 1954 um, this project will include the continuation of a study of the biochemical 
neuropsychological, sociological, and clinical psychiatric aspects of LSD. Dear God, <laughs> that was a mouthful. And why does the government love LSD so much? Goodness gracious. And also the study of LSD antagonists and drugs related to the LSD, uh, such as LAE, which I, I don't know. The estimated budget of the project is $39,500. Okay. Bilak claims he had befriended Nichols in the 70s and they together developed the Montauk Chair, a mind-reading device that was a central component in, of the entire project. Preston Nichols uh, details his alleged work in the Montauk Chair, claiming it uh, was electromagnetism to further their psychic powers of whoever was seated in the chair. So, the one thing that I want to talk about real quick, well, you know what, we're not going to, we're not going to. I don't want to spoil the surprise. I'll uh, announce it whenever, you know, we get there, but similar to the show Stranger Things where Eleven is seated uh, to open a portal to the Upside Down. The Montauk Boys Project stripped their mind and reformed it through computers and then reinserted in the body of the boy. Um, apparently there were rumors of a reptilian that had an office there, a UFO landing pad, and black and white room to enhance LSD experiments. How does an L a black and white room enhance LSD experiments? That's what I want to know. See, like, it's all good and well to know, like, the basics of the Montauk Project, but I want to know the details of, like, the experiments there. And we do get into it a little bit, but that one kind of just kind of, like, stood out to me. I wonder if there's, like, research on the black and white room for LSD research. But, uh, there was a radar tower, of course, if you guys ever look up the Montauk, uh, lab, you'll always see this huge radio tower with a huge uh, satellite dish. But basically that's how the thoughts of people were teleported to other locations. They abducted children in the area and turned them into government super soldiers under mind control. Um, officially it was shut down in 1994, but reports in 2011 say that the dish change directions. So, <clears throat> that dish is kind of heavy. And I would say that maybe the wind could change the direction of it, but that thing's heavy, so I don't know. I don't know. 2008, a strange creature washed up on shore um, in a ditch and that's when it was called the Montauk Monster. Plum Island is also nearby. I'm telling you guys, I feel like every conspiracy is linked to one huge, big truth. We already know that LSD experiments were used in MKUltra, so why is LSD used right now in the Montauk Project if it was not being you know, if it wasn't similar to what they were trying to do in MKUltra. Plum Island is also nearby. Hmm, fishy. 2015, Montauk Chronicles launched 
on the Discovery Channel. Oh yeah, that's uh, what we'll be talking about next. So if you guys want to learn more and learn about, you know, what I'm talking about, the Montauk Chronicles, look that up on YouTube. It is a two-hour documentary, I think. And I, I am so happy that someone actually uh, researched this in depth and he wasn't really linked to any type of, like, big company. He did end up going on to just the Discovery Channel. But at some point, he just put out the whole documentary itself on YouTube. And it's still there today. But, um, yeah. So we're going to start right here now. So governments of the world have experimented on people upon false pretenses. Kids may have been murdered for the sake of experiments. So we're going to start with a witness, because the witness that starts talking in the documentary has some really interesting things to say. So this witness says that when he they ended up going on a school trip to the Montauk uh, lab, or Camp Hero, a few of them would be separated from the other kids to show... and. There were supervisors that would show the kids different locations, and the other kids weren't allowed to see those. And I guess this witness also was asked to go inside a room downstairs where a hatch was opened, and he's like, aren't you going in? And of course he refused. <laughs> Um, they were taking a trip to the Montauk Lighthouse, where Camp Hero was a quarter mile away. The testimonials of events allegedly took place between 1971 to August 12, 1983. So 120 miles east of New York City is Montauk. Um, special interest of military forces and vacationers. So, if you guys have not actually watched the uh, movie with Jim Carrey and what's her name? Kate, not Kate Hudson. Kate Winslet? They also talk about Montauk. So, um, it is the, uh, what is the movie called? The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That one, that one is incredible to watch, especially if you like mind and memory erasing conspiracy theories. That, that one is interesting. Camp Hero was built in 1942, mainly used by the U.S. Air Force in World War II. There are a good number of entrances linking to the underground tunnels under the Montauk base. The research was inconclusive since the tunnels were either filled with water or sealed with cement. Remnants of the Air Force tech on every level of the Sage Radio Tower, though. We're also going to be talking about Preston Nichols. So, Preston Nichols, uh, I believe he was actually um, interviewed for this. So, Preston was a program director in the Montauk Project. At the time, when he was in school, he had the IQ of 200+. plus. Um, they called in on reverse engine. He was called in. I'm so sorry. On reverse engineering project of technology picked up 
at Montauk from crash sites of alleged UFOs. That's how they got him there. Like, hey, bro, do you want to, you know, take a look at this? Because we need, you know, someone who's really interested in this stuff and knows of their stuff, you know, so we need you over here. But alleged Montauk boy Stuart uh, Sublo, which is another victim, talks about his experience and he claims that he had been abducted and abused by the proprietors of Montauk Project when he was a child. Stuart Stublow claims he never told anyone about his experiences, not even those he married, since no one believed him or they ridiculed him. His family moved to Long Island in 1970 in the summer, and one afternoon his father said, let's go to Montauk Point. He remembers uh, passing the base, and back then they had an old fighter jet that had been placed in front of the gates and at uh, what was under the base. Stewart also experienced deep waves of depression and it was something that was reoccurring in his life and many fears plagued him as a child and he had the fear of the dark going outside and many many other phobias. Um, he would wake up screaming, and he couldn't sleep alone. Sometimes he would crawl in the bed of his parents and sleep. Um, he wanted to see, or no, he would see aliens in his room, or he would be taken to places underground in the tunnel system. He tried committing suicide a few times. Eventually, he came to the conclusion that he was maybe here for a reason. Sci-fi consoled him because he said that it was something closer to his reality than any other genre. So, he said, if you were crazy, you wind up in an institution back then. There were no psychologists or psychiatrists. Um, he was, he constantly would have bad experiences, bad dreams, sleep paralysis, sleep apnea, uh, he would be seeing shadows in the corners of his room, and that's how it all began with his experiences. His metallic blinds would vibrate, there were tapping on the windows, he felt like he was being watched, he would be paralyzed, he would levitate during his sleep, and he couldn't scream, which is very common in sleep paralysis. Um, and at one point he said that he floated right out the window. He was surrounded by short and tall aliens, and he was stra strapped naked down onto a table. Probes and needles, and there was pressure all over his body. 
sometimes even a hand inside his body touching his organs. Uh, he, he could only see bright lights overhead and he was in constant fear during the whole process. While gray aliens you were used in the beginning to abduct people and bring them to the lab, little grays are man-made creatures, he said. They are human fetuses grown larger to position um, and mind-controlled. So these little gray aliens that a lot of people, I believe, have kind of said you know, have abducted them or experimented on them. They're man-made creatures, uh, according to uh, Stuart. So, <clears throat> every session was different. Sometimes he would be put back into his room and several hours had passed, and sometimes just a few minutes. He, or as he got older and got involved in human experimentation, so, uh, they bent time in order to confuse him experiment, uh, when experiments were going on, and would sometimes last even months at most. Uh, he could only move his head and eyes and tried to fight back. He would scream and no sound would come out. This is where we get into the Montauk Boys program. So, the Montauk Boys program was designed to dominate the minds of victims. Uh, no one knows who ran the program. There was no name listed on the books, and a German scientist who had been taken around, uh, they were bypassed through the numerous, I'm sorry, through the Nuremberg Project, and it never went to the trials. So those who were prosecuted, they never went to the trials because they were part of the Montauk Project, which is weird. Um, they were taken to the Back Haven, I'm sorry, the Book Haven National Laboratories, and they worked there for 20 years until they were kicked out by Congress. And then they found a new home at Montauk. That's basically how that went down. It became a secret project because of the idea of mind control was so unpopular with Congress. Let's see. It had to be moved in secret, and Montauk was selected because it was a little fishing village at the time. They wanted a number of programmed boys to be used for mind control operations, and they would take them to the facility from Long Island and New York. So these kids in New York, they would either be lost, homeless, or living off the streets, some of them would be runaways. They would find kids that were weak enough in their mind that had already had some sort of trauma in their background um, in order for them to further that trauma. So um, some of these children were addicted uh, to drugs. Um, some of them were children of drug addicts. And um, anyone who would be never missed, basically. These kids needed to not be missed in order for the project to go through successfully. So, um, sometimes they would have scouts to look for certain uh, genetics. Um, sometimes they would put you in a cement room and beat you 
with a metal rod or wooden pole. Different people would administer the abuse, tortures, and experiments, and some looked like soldiers and ordinary people. The reason why they decided to interchange people who tortured and tormented them was because they didn't want to... They didn't want the boys to form a certain relationship with one of the people that, you know, tortured them. So, it was always male. There were always, like, male uh, people who tormented these kids. And they... One of the experiments would be... They would hold you underwater to the point where you were about to give up or go unconscious. And they wanted to split and shatter the mind. So, the way that happens, and I think the government knows this and uses this all the time, is that when someone is traumatized, or abused, or mistreated long enough, the mind splits. The mind actually shatters and breaks like glass. And that's how you get mental illness. And now, I know that um, I can't always say that you know, trauma always brings about mental illness, but it is very important to know that it is probably one of the most prominent ways of developing a mental illness. Because sometimes in the bloodline, you don't have mental illness unless someone is inducing it upon you. And uh, that's something that I ended up learning in my work because they continue to try to educate me as I, you know, keep furthering my career is that trauma really is important to split the mind if that's what you want to do. And the government and the people here at Montauk, um, they knew that. So when the mind is shattered, it can be open for reprogramming. <clears throat> So they wanted to split and shatter the mind and then program each piece of the mind with something else. Drowning was used to manipulate the victims. So anytime there's any type of manipulation, trauma, abuse, um, mistreatment of any kind, anything that induces any type of fear, hurt, hatred, anger, any type of negative um, reaction uh, in a victim, that's exactly what the abuser wants, because then the abuser is able to manipulate that environment to the point where that child becomes part of the environment. Uh, I know this is going to sound silly, but uh, I think it was in Dead Man's Chest, right? When we hear part of the ship, part of the crew. It's because Davy Jones has basically manipulated them to the point where that environment was so awful that they ended up just becoming part of the environment that they, you know, lived in for so long. And that's kind of what I mean, is that when they say part of the ship, part of the crew, it means that they're part of an, an abusive system and they end up becoming that environment. And when you become that environment, it becomes normalized because the brain can't handle the trauma that it is being forced to endure. 
So when the um, trauma ends up being so extreme, at some point the mind does shatter, but at some point it can't stay shattered. That's the thing. The mind cannot stay shattered because if it stays shattered, you won't be useful to the person that's abusing you. They need to reprogram you. So, think about that. There was another um, experiment a long time ago. Someone experimented on monkeys, and I think it was called like the bottomless. The Pit of Despair, that's what it was called. The Pit of Despair. And they experimented on monkeys to where um, they would separate the babies from their mothers. And the mothers would end up not having their, you know, babies. But then they did some sort of experiment to traumatize the mother monkeys into um, believing that the baby monkeys did not deserve the care and love that they needed from the mother and then later on that baby would die because of the lack of contact with their mother and um, they did that in order to study how trauma you know affects people and that's evil <laughs> There is a certain type of love language that a baby right out of the womb needs, and that is the touch of their mother. Without the touch of their mother, they will die. There have been stories of nurses that would just starve the child of the contact of their mother because the mother didn't want the child, and then the child would die. Any type of contact a, a baby needs firsthand, especially from the mother. And so when a baby is starved of that touch or of that care, that child dies. That baby dies. There have been stories and there have been documents printed about those stories that a baby right outside of the womb, right coming right out of the womb, needs the touch of their mother or the touch of human contact. Because if not, they die. That's what I mean when certain environments that are manipulated can be manipulated towards the people that live in that environment. So when a child is in an environment that is abusive and cruel and awful, that child ends up being abusive, cruel, and awful because of the environment that they are in. It's called a generational curse. And it doesn't even have to be a generational curse. Generational curses come from the bloodline and inherited behavior. But when someone breaks off from that bloodline and makes it even worse, it also curses the bloodline because that learned behavior of abuse and hatred and anger also gets passed down to the child and that's the only type of parenting that they've ever had and boom they become exactly like their parents that is trauma-induced manipulation 
part of breaking the psyche of the person to install programming and, the, and to fracture the mind is to make you uncomfortable. When the body experiences one thing and then another without expecting it, the mind breaks. They would leave a few pieces to be their normal awake mind while the rest were programmed almost unnoticeable. So what they did is, uh, all of my listeners, I just want you to touch your forehead. That's your prefrontal lobe. That is your frontal lobe. That is everything stored in that part of your brain that makes you you. That is your personality. That is your habits. That is everything that makes you you. All right. That is you. All right. That is the most unique part of your brain is the frontal lobe. That is what makes your uh, idiosyncrasies, it's what makes you completely different from everybody else. Your frontal lobe is completely different from everybody else's frontal lobe. In order for this type of manipulation and, then, and this type of um, experimentation to work, they have to make sure that a few pieces, the frontal lobe, because the frontal lobe does shatter, in order for an experiment like this to be successful, they have to make sure that the victim is able to be themselves and not notice anything. Like they said, they wanted to be almost unnoticeable, the programming. In order to do that, they needed to create a front shell or a front shield, which is your frontal lobe, which they do not touch. And if they do, they try to make sure that the programming is so unnoticeable to the point where what makes you you is still fine but there's still like little twists and turns in it so everything else is shattered and reformed into this brand new mind but your frontal lobe is basically the shield that hides everything that's been programmed if that makes sense it's kind of like the wizard of oz like don't you know don't pay and don't pay any mind to the man behind the curtain. They're basically just forming a curtain with your frontal lobe. That way, that programming can hide behind who you are. Nichols' responsibility at Montauk was to put the mind back together with the program pieces inside and make it whole again. The programming was safe behind what was called the trauma block. And to remove the programming, you would have to remove that block. And that would entail the victim to receive their horrors. That would entail the victim to receive their horrors. Yeah. So, another thing, the trauma block is basically... Uh, if you guys have listened to the um, MK Ultra series that I did a long time ago... Um, I said that Gottlieb and his, uh, you know, cohorts or his um, colleagues wanted to be able to break the mind in order to induce torture to get information out of people, but they also did not want anyone to remember their torture. This is how the trauma block was formed. The trauma block makes you not remember what unfolded during your torture and in order for the programming to remove to be removed 
that trauma block would have to be removed and then everything ends up being flooded back in. So the whole deja vu with um, Al Bilak and um, Stuart Sublo, that trauma block was moved. I don't think it was removed, but I think it moved a little bit because they were part of an environment as they passed by or as they were introduced into a certain conversation or a certain, um, you know, experience. Just like Stuart, he was, he passed by the Montauk lab and he had deja vu. The trauma block moved and some memory started flooding in. When you take a personality and you fragment into pieces, they take one of the pieces to create a sub-personality which is uh, different than the core personality. So like I said, they do program the frontal lobe, but they cannot program it entirely because that frontal lobe still needs to be intact in some sort of way in order for things to be normal to the victim. But they provide a code that triggers that personality to come forwards and take control of the body. Programmers that would come into the room only after Stuart had been sedated, drugged and beaten, and he was uh, immobile, laying there on the table, fastened down. They would fasten things to his body, specifically his head, rituals involving astral entities. One of them was to create the child as a vessel to the entity, um, or so the entity could enter the child and animate it, and those participating in that ritual would achieve the energy of the entity, and that was, that was occupying the body. So that sounds a lot like demon possession to me. I mean point-blank period, if you really, like, boil it down, they were messing with the Nephilim, they were messing, they were messing with demons, and they ended up using the child who's been traumatized for so long, they ended up becoming a shell, ended up becoming a vessel for this demon. That's what I believe. Uh, there would be a chemical smell, and he, they would put things on his legs, arms, and genitals, um, they would input voices over and over telling him it was okay to stay calm and not to fight them. Um, this would happen so much that you would get to a point where you just didn't care anymore. Which is a form of disassociation. So, if there's one thing I've learned in uh, mental health, in my job, is that disassociation does happen. And it can be extreme or it can be just as small as um, staring out into space. And usually that comes from a traumatic childhood. Um, disassociation mostly happens from a traumatic childhood because when an abuser is doing something over and over and over again, the child doesn't want to be there, so the child blanks out and just lets things happen. It's um, I would say it's almost as if, you know, the child ends up just going somewhere else in their mind in order for this whole 
abuse that's going on that they're enduring they I don't know how to explain it it's like the brain is taking the child somewhere else inside of it in order for them to stop experiencing the abuse so badly if you get what I mean like I said, disassociation can be extreme. Some people say that they've had outer body experiences while they're still alive, while their heart is beating. Um, and sometimes, you know, kids have an imagination and they stare in a space, you know. So, uh, if you've ever read the book A Child Called It, they talk about that as well. Um, I think his name is David Peltzer. David Peltzer uh, talks about how he ends up disassociating and, you know, thinking of himself as a superhero as his mother is abusing him and beating him to a pulp. Um, me and Terrence actually watched this movie called The Butterfly Effect with Ashton Kutcher. And it's basically about him going into his own memories and changing them and changing his timeline and everything like that but um, there was one type of scene that I remember when he went to jail and his bunkmate said when they beat you go somewhere else in your mind bro and that's disassociation it's disassociation there were some unthinkable tactics in order to uh, fracture the mind. People were being murdered and they witnessed it right in front of them. These kids were traumatized by um, murder in front of them. Animals were murdered in front of them. Sometimes people were raped in front of them and sometimes the kids were raped in every type of variety. Um, all to desensitize the mind in order uh, when you're programmed to do any type or any of that. I'm sorry. Basically, it was desensitizing the mind to the point where whenever they give you orders, nothing phases you anymore. And those orders are accepted by the mind and carried through. Because basically that child has seen it all and it doesn't make any difference to him whether he kills somebody or not. That, that's basically what they were trying to do. Using children was extremely important since children were innocent and had extreme fear. So, actually, I, I watched this documentary yesterday. It was called The Program of Fear, or The Program Called Fear, and it's on YouTube. And there was a child that was part of this experiment where they would put a rat in the child's lap and the child didn't have any type of fear towards the rat. So, um, in order for the child to have fear of rats, they would associate the rat being put on his lap uh, with a loud sound. So, like, they would shout, like, right in the baby's ear or something like that. Uh, while the child was holding the rat and as time went by that child would associate that loud sound that would startle him with the rats so he would end up having a fear of rats they developed that fear of rats to that child 
That's how easily manipulatable, if that's even a word, <laughs> how easily manipulated a child can be because the child is basically a blank slate or a blank canvas. A child is only as... How do I say this? A child, though innocent, is able to have things influenced upon them that forms their personality and, and, and forms their life as they know it, as, you know, in adulthood. So when a child ends up being uh, traumatized by a rat, when in the beginning he wasn't, you know, they put that personality in that child because of the association of the loud sound that scared him. A child can be easily a product of the environment because of the influence of the people around that child. The child needs someone to trust, a child needs someone to love, someone to touch, to be familiar with in order to feel safe. So if you end up taking those things away, that which is part of his innocence, they end up becoming monsters. They end up becoming part of the traumatic environment, which this baby um, ended up being a product of fear and a phobia, which he did not have in the beginning. The pineal gland excretes a chemical called adrenal adrenal chrome. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. All right, we're just gonna keep going. Adrenal chrome, and this is a body and mind enhancer, mood enhancer, and that the elite use and is a powerful product extracted when a person is at the height of fear. So, if you don't believe that celebrities and the elites don't use children as products. Type in adrenochrome. There have been so many videos of... There's women on TikTok that actually have gotten something from Germany and they sprayed it on their face and they look middle-aged. But when they spray it on their face, they look 20 years younger. That's not normal. That's spiritual. Okay? That's scary. I've seen it before. What's another one? Um, Steve Harvey had somebody on his show um, selling this product. And she said, oh, Oprah uses it and it's baby foreskin. They liquefied baby foreskin in order for that person who uses it to look 10 years younger. Oprah uses that. The thing is that they tell this to us in plain sight, in front of our faces, but we have been conditioned, we've become part of this systematic environment to where we just accept and brush off things that the elite tells us in plain sight. They show us this stuff in plain sight in order for us to normalize whatever the hell they're doing. So, even on Ellen, I think it was Sandra, what was it, Sand, not Sandra Bullock, but I don't know who it was. Some celebrities just look the same to me. But 
Uh, it might have been Sandra Bullock. I don't remember. But she was on The Ellen Show, and she was talking about this product that she uses, and she was very hesitant to say what was in the um, thing, like, in the product, because she was basically saying, like, it's human tissue that is used to, you know, rejuvenate the skin, and Ellen just ends up saying it's Vietnamese baby foreskin. That's exactly what it is. I'm just like... And the whole crowd just laughs because they think it's a joke. Because the thing is, is that the Illuminati, the elites, the um, celebrities out there that are a part of this, they are counting on the fact that you don't take it seriously. But I think we kind of do. Because children are dying because of this. Depending on the program... Um, the mind pattern in genetics, they would use LSD that would create an open door for the programming to be downloaded easier. So when I hear open door, I think of a spiritual door. It's, I believe that everything has a spirit tied to it. And this is something that I'm going to be talking about with my next uh, episode of Down the Rabbit Hole. And I'm going to go in depth with that. Because I'm starting to see different conspiracy theories, different programs on Earth, different areas like the CIA, uh, CERN, all these uh, programs, all of these um, organizations, they all end up coming to one type of conclusion, one type of big truth. And um, I'm going to be talking about the spiritual side of, you know, why I believe that certain manipulation and everything like that is spiritual. Um, but I do want to say that any type of negative action is tied to a certain spirit, a negative spirit, a familiar spirit, an evil spirit or demon. That's what I believe. Okay. So, um, the spirit of pe pedophilia actually exists. That's why there are certain things like familiar spirits that end up existing in a certain bloodline. That's how you get generational curses. Okay, so, like I said, generational curses are formed by familiar spirits. Familiar spirits are the spirits that are um, assigned to a certain action, like pedophilia, molestation, rape, incest, all that stuff. Anything that an action a human being can um, make is basically what entices that evil spirit to keep that going. So, a bloodline can be pure at first, maybe, but a person's actions entices an evil spirit, if that makes any sense. So, like, if someone just somehow decides to develop the spirit of pedophilia within their home, within their family bloodline, that ends up being a generational curse to where that trait is now part of that um, person. It's not supposed to be. 
but they've been programmed that way by trauma or what have you. And um, that way, that spirit is able to manipulate the certain environments, and that environment that that is manipulated can manipulate the child or the person that is passing down that trait. So this is exactly what I believe is happening right now because trauma, I believe, is a generational curse. I believe it's a familiar spirit. A lot of people have traumatic childhoods. There's a lot of people that have traumatic experiences. So therefore, yes, I believe that familiar spirits live within a certain family. And in order to break that generational curse, you have to confront those familiar spirits. Meaning, okay, my family has pedophilia in their bloodline. I have to be the one to say, it stops with me. That's how that happens. So when I hear open door, that means something spiritually to me. An open door can be opened and closed on both sides. Just like the child was used as a vessel for an entity to enter and animate that child while that child was unknowing, they created an open door in the mind of the child in order for that spirit to possess that child. That's an open door. Okay, we're gonna go into mon monarch programming. When they take a child who is more afraid uh, than an adult, it, in most cases, and bring them into the state of extreme fear, and that moment, they sacrifice them and immediately extract the adrenal chrome, which is more valuable than gold itself. So, yeah. This is when you'd be extracted immediately and the programmer would uh, say, I saved your life. Okay, this is something else. I'm sorry. Because um, once that child has adrenal chrome like sucked out of their brain they die they're gone but um part of the programming is when they would be extracted immediately from where they're at the programmer would say i saved your life i am your new god and you must behave and listen that's when they were told um, or that's what they were told, and that's why they were doing this, and that was for the benefit of humanity, basically. And that humanity was unable to take care of itself because people were violent, evil, and stupid. You're one to talk, bro. <laughs> okay, some of these children were helping to control science society without it being destroyed. So that's what they wanted these kids to do, because they were the um, elites or the people that run the system of the world. That's what they want. They, they want to be able to control society without it being destroyed, because they believe that we're cattle and we're destroying everything. So, pain and suffering they endured would be, uh, would save mankind, and that's what every Montauk boy was trained to believe. Preston eventually tries to tell John Pruitt, the second in command of the project, that he would, or he should find a way to get the children to voluntarily be involved. 
um, that evolved into a more humane way of uh, programming and put them back into society where they could be uh, activated at any time. So those kids who were programmed are walking around right now, out there. And they could be activated at any time in order to do school shootings or murders or bombings, what have you. They use this to manipulate us, but anyway. Many of them were used as spies like Madahari, except male, of course. A lot of the kids were um, allegedly psychic and trained them to engage in psychic warfare. Uh, rogue groups within the government and natal intelligence being one uh, and not the only one. This rogue group would, um, or had Montauk boys who were going into the darker side, I guess, and going into the black arts or witchcraft. So, like I said, all of this is spiritual. This proves it. These boys are now masters in the black arts. Let's see. They used something called stargates. Sometimes it would just look like a mirror, which would allow you to move forwards or back in time. Some of the victims were allegedly lost in those time periods. Stuart was flat on his back and entered the mirror. The planet and human body- well, the planet? <laughs> and human body has its own biorhythms, and Earth has a whole series of biorhythms peeking out to create strange electronic synchronization patterns, which was essential to the time and space travel. So, uh, one thing that I have to talk about, because I don't know if it's actually true, but certain sound frequencies or certain hertz frequencies are able to open a portal. There have been people who have actually done this and filmed it. And me being the curious mind that I have, like I, I'm very curious, I want to try this, I really do. But if, it, <laughs> if it's a form of witchcraft, then no I won't. But it is so interesting how, like, our world, we know nothing about our own world. It's crazy. We only know what's around us. We only know the environment around us. Every set in time has a specific set of coordinates uh, in vibration, and when you know the target zone of where you want to go and match what you want to send to that vibration. So basically that human needs to have the same vibration as the biorhythm that they need to be at, the coordinate. So um, there's an instant connection. Okay. There's an instant connection when both uh, parties, such as like the coordinates of where they want to go and that person meet the same vibration. They're able to instantly connect and go where the, wherever they want to go. Physics, uh, no, I'm sorry, yeah, psychics would be able to connect to that vibration. So they wanted psychic kids. 
Stuart, after his I am very angry that my mouth does not want to speak anymore. Stuart, after his brutal experimentations, was recruited for missions back in time to require extracted DNA samples with the purpose of of cloning biblical historical figures. Yo. I didn't know that was possible. I don't know if I believe that's possible. Because I, I believe that like the biblical times was such a fixed point in time. I don't know if God would let anyone touch that. But Then again, I believe anything's possible nowadays, which is crazy. My question is, who did y'all decide to take DNA from? I... I'm, I'm speechless. Alright. They were taking alien technology, and they were taught how to use it by these Nephilim, or aliens, or what have you, whatever you want to call them. And then they re-engineer them to the human benefit. Um, many bodies were disposed of, but not one kn knew how exactly they were disposed of. Yeah, so there were plenty of boys that died in the process of these experimentations, and a lot of these kids, they never really recovered the bodies. But 13 years of the project, there were 300,000 that were used in the experimentation and less than 1% survived and very few were able to function in society. Montauk Boys Project expanded into every state in the US, so every state had their Montauk. Five million people a year vanish from the Earth without a trace. Many of these scientists were put against their will to do experiments on these kids. And that's when we get into the fall of the Montauk Project. Mr. Jack Pruitt told Nichols at gunpoint to cut off the Transformer um, that basically powered the uh, Sage radio tower. Um, Nichols and several uh, members of the program met at the Memory Motel to devise a plan that would end the project for good. The plan original, originally was to control the thoughts and actions of the masses. They all decided that the program was going in a wrong direction and decided to crash it. On August 12, 1983, the Montauk Chair was able to download the thoughts and broadcast them into a person, place, or thing, and the chair uh, and computer that uh, were hooked up to each other. Uh, they could copy each thought completely in detail. Duncan Cameron... So this is the surprise that I told you guys about earlier. Duncan Cameron was also part of the MKUltra project, and apparently... He was a Montauk kid and had psychic abilities. And he was used in the chair, and the other boys were used to boost him energetically. And the Montauk was a thought amplifier, the Montauk chair was a thought amplifier, a wish maker, basically. And Duncan was able to materialize something from his thoughts and make it real, and it scared scientists so bad that they had to shut down. 
the chair. They had to shut the whole thing down. Pruitt forced Nichols and Alfred into the building to kill the transmitters. Um, it didn't do anything. So this master computer that they've basically made in order to program these kids was basically just having starting to have a mind of its own. So whenever they actually did fry the transmitters, it didn't do anything. Um, it just kept going hard and it was locked into a, some sort of loop through quantum realities and energies that kept building the entire system. Um, and the system eventually went out of control. Even after the connections were broken, the computer's ability to create ended. Um, there was no way of it being turned on again. So they say. <laughs> One of the systems, cra or once the system crashed, Stewart said he felt unplugged from a giant device and his reality came flooding back to him. The warfare that is going on is unbelievably psychic warfare. It's religious warfare, and Alfred made a rough prediction of what may happen in the future. Um, that many suicides will take place. He believes that people and civilians are able to take back control. Excuse me. In order to change the society for the better. He says history is not cast in stone. Definitely not. Um, unfortunately, Alfred Belak passed away before the completion of the documentary. Um, Stewart formed a self-help program called Expansions, which its uh, philosophy entails that an alien race have enslaved the human race called the Illuminati, and the control is what they seek, and they want to control our thoughts, and partially by poisoning our food and water supply. Nazis, even that certain chemicals could be put in food. Okay, so yeah, I'm sorry. My handwriting is atrocious. <laughs> um, Nazis even knew that putting certain chemicals in foods were able to manipulate people and um, the brain and damage it. Um, it can make the person weaker to control them. They have put fluoride in the water, chlorine in the water, mercury and aluminum in food. If you guys don't know what mercury can do, have you ever heard of the saying, the mad as a hatter? There's a reason why they used that in order to, you know, explain to people that, that that person was crazy. So, back in the day, I don't but hatters, or people who made hats, um, they used mercury in order to smooth down the felt of the hat, because they thought that it was... It, 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 it did the job quickly. And once the mercury was applied to the felt of the hat, they were able to, you know, get the job done quickly, of course. But once that mercury was used over and over and over again through um, a certain amount of time, that 
hatter or that person that made the hats ended up going crazy because of the fumes and the contact of the mercury on their hands. And that's how you get mad as a hatter. And they're putting this in our food, y'all. They're putting us in some really crazy situations. But yes, they're putting mercury and aluminum in food and create to create heavy metal toxins in your body and you become a walking antenna and pick up microwave signals and uh, scholars radio waves and it makes <laughs> you constantly available for programming 24-7. So, you know the 5G towers, right? You get a 5G phone, you surround it in steel wool, like just form a circle around that 5G phone, alright? Have someone call you on that phone that's surrounded by that steel wool and that steel wool ignites because of the radioactivity. Because of the radio waves that are so freaking strong. I am telling you now, the 5G Towers is a conspiracy within itself. But anyway, March 15th, 1995, full disclosure of what went on in the Montauk Project went public. James Bruce was was recruited when... He was a child, kindergarten. Um, in kindergarten, he would put puzzles together, and whoever took the longest to put them together were called winners. So this is how they kind of programmed him. So this is towards the end. So the same witness in the beginning who said that there were people that tried to lead him down a hatch um, is also speaking now. So they were looking for kids with psychic abilities and kids that would keep their mouths shut and be good assassins and good soldiers. Late, uh, in his late teens, he was abducted by a man disguised as his father, and his friend's father, at the time, told him that it wasn't his father. He doesn't believe him, and since the man had the same car and everything, he ended up going with him to Montauk. Al Belak was picked up along the way. Um, they told him to get into the Montauk chair, and he refused countless times, and he was eventually made to get into it. The man posing as his father took a razor, cutting the fake face off of him, and then putting it back on like it was a freaking mask. James led... Or, James, the, um... Oh no, James is the guy who did the documentary. See, this is why I need to type things out. I swear to God. James was led through the woods to show the creator of the documentary where he experienced this. Some say to this day that the experiments are still happening. Okay, I know I jumbled that ending up. I'm really, really sorry, but thank you so much for listening. Thank you for bearing with me going through all of that. And uh, I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the trenches next time. Stay informed, educate yourself, and keep your eyes open. Love you.